BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hello, everybody. I'm Lou Dobbs, and welcome to The Great America Show. Truth, justice, the American way. That's the way we like it here. And the truth is emerging daily from the darkness imposed by this administration and its Marxist dim masters. The truth is that the Dems and the deep state have managed to infiltrate every important government agency and over the years have taken possession of the federal bureaucracy and much, much more. Our federal government is fully corrupted and that political corruption is in full view of the American people. There is no doubt, there is no debate. In full view, but not fully understood yet. The enormity of the Marxist Dems public corruption isn't only hard to comprehend, but to even imagine such evil. No one does a better job of reporting the developing stories about the massive corruption that has overwhelmed our government than JustTheNews.com and its founder and chief editor, John Solomon. Welcome, John, and it's great to have you with us here on The Great America Show. Already, the FBI and Justice Department are backtracking. They've had to admit they overcollected when they seized boxes and took some 15 of them with them, overconfiscated the property of a former president of the United States. Your reaction, John? It's amazing. We all, as Americans, have a Fourth Amendment privilege, right? So we should, the, the rule for search warrants is they should be cast as narrowly as possible. Presidents have other privileges that we don't have, including executive privilege. And what we were told last night, and it has been confirmed by multiple government officials, is that the FBI collected lots of materials that were actually not responsive to the subpoena. So when they spent nine hours going through the closets and the desk drawers and the lockers, uh, they took a lot of things that actually weren't uh, covered by the description of uh, the search warrant. And let's give you some of those. We know for certain now that there were three passports, two expired, one current, uh, that they took from the president's office. Uh, there's nothing in the search warrant that suggests that that is a, uh, uh, covered. And of course, it's not a presidential record. Everyone has a passport, even when you're not um, a uh, president. So that one is a head scratcher. Why they would take that, no one knows. Uh, the second one, and this is one that's going to become more contentious, is that there are numerous documents that the government now acknowledges are covered by privilege. Now, that could be attorney-client privilege, because it could be communications between the president and his lawyers, or uh, executive privilege, uh, conversations about the uh, advice the president got when he's president that's normally protected. How those could be scooped up uh, and not be segregated immediately is certainly going to become an argument of uh, fact and law, I think, in the near distant future. But there's another part to this, which is, is kind of remarkable, which is the Justice Department has named their own person to decide what's privileged to not. I can't believe that's going to fly. I have to assume that President Trump's lawyers are going to go to court soon and say, hey, we want an independent special master named by the court to go through these and resolve these things. And then there's a third one that's just a head scratcher because most of the 
search warrant returns that have been made public by the Justice Department through the court are very generic. Like we found a box of documents. We found a do documents marked top secret. Um, <clears throat> this one was very specifically identified, a file related to the pardon of uh, Roger Stone. Uh, for most of the people I've talked to, current and former FBI, cur current and former Justice Department officials, they're scratching their heads saying, why that? Uh, first off, the pardon's already publicly known. Two, there could be executive privilege in the documents surrounding why the president considered a pardon for uh, uh, for Roger. Um, those three things are in the overcollection bucket right now. And I went to one of the really great story um, executives of the uh, the FBI, someone who is universally respected. Democrats and Republicans both like him. He was the first intelligence chief after 9-11 for the FBI, his name is Kevin Brock. He was the former assistant director, served under Bob Mueller. So he's you know, someone that has a, a long history in the FBI. And he looked at this last night and said to me flatly, the president has an extraordinary legal challenge to be made here. This is an FBI man, a 30 year plus FBI man, that the search warrant is so broadly worded that it, it defies the, the guide that the FBI uses for its own agents to do it. And he pointed this out, which is, it basically says any record covered during the presidency of 2017 to 2021, so January 2017 to January 2021, it asks for that broader collection of documents that, in fact, uh, any president in the future should feel chilled about this. That basically, they can come at any time and gather anything they want from your home based on the description of this warrant. He was a big critic of the way the warrant is worded, and then the fact that even as broadly worded as that, that they would take something like privileged materials or passports made him scratch his head. This is a career, lifelong G-man for the FBI calling out and, and, and uh, criticizing his own agency. I believe, John, that there are millions of Americans who would say, uh, and I, I have to count myself among them, why should any of us be surprised yeah. the FBI and DOJ have been acting like fascist thugs for at least six years that we know of. And now it makes me think we should be going back uh, at least another two decades to find out actually what they were doing. But in that period, from, from 2016 to today, we are looking at two agencies that are absolutely uh, an embarrassment to the very idea of public service, public servants, uh, and uh, the rule of law. Yeah. And, it, it's this is overwhelming. Yeah, and and listen, the warning signs for this were so many all through Russia collusion, all through the Michigan cases, whether the Olympian sex case or the uh, Whitmer kidnapping kidnapping case. We kept seeing bright red flashing lights saying the FBI has a serious problem. It, it can't be truthful to the courts. It doesn't follow its own procedures to make sure FISA warrants or regular warrants are properly there. They have uh, uh, informants that seem to be way too integrated into the criminal plots. This has been going on for six years, and we have an FBI director that swears, oh, I've got new rules, it's fixed. It does Nothing has been fixed. The IG, the inspector general, the independent watchdog of the Justice Department just about six months ago said, hey, I know you put all those rules in after the Russia collusion. FISA warrants were deemed to be unlawful, misleading, inaccurate, uh, containing egregious omissions. But guess what? We looked at a bunch more FISA warrants. You didn't comply with your new rules at all, and they still have the same problems like we saw in Russia. The oh, red blinking lights are there. Chris Ray 
has not done enough to deter bad behavior or to create good behavior in compliance with his laws. I think that the buck stops at the top of this barrel. I, I think you're right. And I also think that uh, you know, your reporting on this uh, is very important because it shows right now that the FBI was willing to ignore the executive privilege of a former president of the United States, the uh, attorney-client privilege right. of a former president of the United States. What on earth are they doing with regular citizens like you and me and members of this audience? So important. So important to remind that if it could happen to the most powerful men in the world, then uh, it pro almost certainly could happen to the rest of us. And we don't have the resources nor the spotlight uh, to maybe fight that. And I think that's the problem. The FBI, the IRS, with 87,000 new agents now being added to its ranks uh, after going through a scandal just a decade ago for which there's no proof that the IRS has reformed itself, um, the, the concern that big government will in a big way intrude on our liberty, on our sanct, uh, uh, most important rights as humans, uh, it has, it's growing. It's not waning. There is this big, big, giant concern in America for all of us. This isn't just a Trump versus the Democrats battle. This is about the essence of America, our civil liberties, our Bill of Rights, the Constitution. And when you hear a lifelong FBI guy who loves the Bureau, wants to do it right, raising his own red flag saying, we got a problem here, America, uh, that ought to be a wake-up call for, for all of us. Without question. And, uh, and it raises the question, uh, about a constitutional crisis, frankly, because this is now at a level that there is no, in my judgment at least, there is no resolution that is obvious uh, near at hand uh, or that will be satisfactory given the level of corruption in the federal government. Yeah. How soon can President Trump make a case to the Supreme Court to rein in uh, these these actors in the Justice Department yeah. uh, and the FBI, because this can't stand, and it's not going to stand, uh, and we need to reestablish rules uh, and enforcement of rules uh, by those who are hired and employed to do so. That is, namely, the very people who are uh, flaunting the law uh, across the board, the DOJ and the FBI. You know, I, I yeah, in the last 24 hours, I just tried to put a list together for myself of just all of the incidents. You say, why are Republicans this upset? I mean, obviously, it's a white hot moment in American politics. Do they have a um, reason to be upset? And just listen to this list, because this is a real list of real things that happened. Rudy Giuliani, America's mayor, his home was raided. He's never been charged. Steve Bannon, he was indicted and convicted. James O'Keefe, someone who should have had journalism privilege, uh, handcuffed and said his home raided for trying to report on the Ashley Biden diary. Peter Navarro shackled in leg irons for a misdemeanor, a federal misdemeanor. Most times people get a notice to appear and those sort of things. Uh, you got Jeffrey Clark, the former deputy attorney general of the United States, his home raided, put it on the side of the uh, street uh, while FBI agents remember she was home. Scott Perry, congressman, his phone taken while his family's on vacation. Victoria Tensing and Joe DeGeneva, who used to be my lawyers, their home was raided two years ago. Not a single criminal charge brought against them. Mike Flynn uh, pleads guilty to a charge that the FBI said he actually didn't commit. 
Carter Page targeted for a FISA warrant, even though everything in that warrant suggested he had no culpability. They listened to his conversations, intruded his home for a year. That list is why Americans are so concerned, because there's not an equal list on the Democratic side. There's no raid of Hunter Biden's home. Uh, the, the Democratic lobbyists that were working alongside Paul Manafort in Ukraine, they didn't get the same charges as Paul Manafort. Again and again and again and again, people see one system for Republicans in the most extreme fashion, leg irons, uh, handcuffs on the side of the road just to have your home raided, and then the other side walking scot-free. That's why we have a crisis of trust in America right now. It's an imposing list, isn't it? And uh, It is. And we could have gone on from there. We, that was uh, a short list. <laughs> I, that's, I was just about to say, if only the list ended there. Uh, but it does. It goes on and on. And at the top of that list, of course, is Donald Trump. Yes. Uh, it's, do you believe there is an avenue for him to appeal to the Supreme Court for some relief from what has been six years? And, and, and ladies and gentlemen, I'm not making this about approximating. He has been politically persecuted by the FBI and the Department of Justice for six years. That doesn't include individual jurisdictions like uh, New York State or the Manhattan District Attorneys or Fulton County's uh, uh, DA. Uh, this is, it's outrageous. Yeah, listen, there is an avenue. I, I've been surprised that the president's lawyers haven't been more aggressive in court. Eight days, nine days have passed. The ability to protect privileged documents wanes with each day, even if the uh, Justice Department is told later now, you can't look at them anymore. They've had nine days to go through them. A lot of people that I've talked to wonder, why didn't they do a show cause order immediately? Uh, why didn't they ask for segregation of documents and get a special master appointed by the court, not by just asking DOJ to do it? Uh, there's been a lot of great television appearance lawyering going on, but not a lot of specific legal strikes. I'm going to mention a couple of things that I think are relevant, and it's only because I've interviewed right. lots of government officials. I think the first one is... They have to, uh, and most of the lawyers I talked to believe they have to get the affidavit and find out what the allegation is. For instance, if the allegation that they needed to do this raid is based on some journalism article, let's suppose the article, and I don't have any reason to know one way or the other, but it's hypothetically possible because we saw the exact same thing in Russia. What if Maggie Haberman's article that the president flushed articles down the toilet was the genesis for this raid or used to support the raid that the president might engage in criminal behavior. That would be really shocking. And you say, oh, there's no chance of that, except that it was Michael Isikoff's article that's in Yahoo News planted by Christopher Steele that was used to justify the uh, FISA warrant for Carter Page. So Absolutely. what is the basis for it? And is news media, any complaints by liberals, any referrals from the January 6th committee uh, infusing that, then I, finding out the basis and whether that evidentiary promise to the judge is faulty. That's the first thing. I think there's a second interesting area that, uh, that and I've raised this issue and the president gave me a statement last week saying this. Uh, the claim is that they're looking for a lot of classified documents. The president said originally, I declassified them all, but he didn't explain how. I really pressed him and his lawyers. Friday night, they gave me a very important statement that anytime the president removed documents from a national security officer, took them out of the Oval Office where they normally are kept and moved them to the residence, he had a 
declassification order or standing declassification order. So the normal practice is they bring in a classified document, the president reads it in the Oval Office or on Air Force One or in his hotel on a foreign trip. As soon as that document's done, the process is the security officer, the intelligence official, the person with the security clearance, is supposed to take that document back, secret it, give it to the staff secretary of the White House, put it back in a secure location. If that didn't happen, which we now know it didn't, that means something occurred. Either the intelligence officer abandoned his responsibility, left the document behind when he shouldn't, or there was a standing order by the president that if I move this to the residence for the convenience of my presidency, it's automatically declared classified. I think the president has now said that on the record. He's, he's dug down and given us something on the record. We haven't heard justice's response. That could become a major avenue. And then I'm gonna throw a really fun one in because I actually think it could be very relevant to this. Some evidence that was kept in uh, Bill Clinton's sock drawer a decade ago, when then uh, this case was made, actually it was three decades ago, but the case was made a decade ago, has incredible relevance today to the ability of the FBI agents to go in and raid Melania's closet. Let's just think about this for a second. In 2012, Judicial Watch sued uh, the National Archives saying Bill Clinton had 90 tapes, approximately 90 tapes, of interviews he did with a historian while he was president, capturing contemporaneous events of things he was doing as president. The Judicial Watch argued those were presidential records, and they ordered, uh, they filed a lawsuit trying to compel the National Archives to go get those tapes and put them into the uh, uh, body of collection of government documents that were there. The Justice Department under Barack Obama and eventually a federal judge ruled that the president's ability to decide what documents from his presidency are personal, not subject to disclosure, and um, government, meaning they should go to the archives, is basically absolute, unchallengeable. The president gets the discretion. Those things, like the declassification and the uh, personal documents uh, thing, have not been out in the public at all. I think they become the basis for some very important court discussions that probably, as you suggest, make it to the Supreme Court. Now, that's fascinating, and I, w I was unaware of that uh, that case uh, and that uh, that reasoning. Uh, but it makes perfect sense. Uh, <laughs> these cases, as you know, don't always make perfect sense. No, that's right. Are the outcome, but that one does, and it makes perfect sense. The highest government official can always decide what is classified and what is not. Uh, that makes absolute sense. The commander in chief should have that. Uh, it's, it's also a responsibility as well as prerogative. Yeah, yeah, I think that that's exactly uh, right. And if, if we are a nation where justice is blind, whether you agree with the court ruling in 2012 about Bill Clinton or not, you would expect both uh, presidents to be treated the same. And we already have a significant record that the Clintons got treated far different than Donald Trump. Oh when goodness. Hillary Clinton was under subpoena for two years, they find her law firm billing records hiding in the residence. You don't never see any FBI agents storm the residence uh, like they did at Mar-a-Lago. We know that the government has used a different approach to people in similar circumstances and similar power circumstances. Donald Trump seems to be get, get treated differently. And I think that's at this root of distrust between our government agencies and the American public. You know, just a, a side note, uh, Perkins Coy, uh, yeah. we're, we, we're seeing this very tight relationship. It's an interdependent relationship, it appears to have uh, grown up over the years, between the Marxist Dems and the FBI and Department of Justice, to the point that they had a portal 
uh, in a, a direct uh, connection. That's right. Uh, into the heart of the uh, FBI uh, uh, system. A and all of that classified material, all of that communication yeah. was within the scope of uh, a client, uh, almost an attorney-client privilege. But no one has ever answered this question. Were there other Democratic law firms also with portals? And does anybody know of one in a Republican law firm, if there is such a thing in this country? Yeah. Well, listen, that is a great question. It takes on even more significance in the last few days when you read the letter that Senator Chuck Grassley sent Christopher Wray and Attorney General Merrick Garland uh, about a week ago, where he says, multiple FBI whistleblowers have approached the Judiciary Committee, sought whistleblower protection. They've now been referred to the Inspector General of the Justice Department. And one of the claims they made was that the FBI was wrongly relying on information coming from partisan liberals uh, to open up criminal investigations of Republicans. So we know that happened in Russia collusion. He's not talking about Russia collusion, but let's remind people that the, the two primary sources of Russia collusion allegations that came in that led to the warrant uh, to spy on the Trump campaign and Carter Page and Donald Trump, they both came from Democratic sources. The first was uh, Christopher Steele hired by Perkins Coie, the very law firm he did on behalf of the Clinton campaign. He drops the dossier in the FBI starting on July 5th, 2016. And then a month or so later, Michael Sussman, a lawyer at Perkins Coie, again employed by the Clinton administration and working both for the Clinton campaign and uh, a researcher who uh, supported Hillary Clinton, he brings in the second half of the allegation, the, the bogus allegation of um, uh, uh, collusion or, or uh, uh, the false story of a server in Moscow where the two sides were talking. Two liberals walk in uh, in the middle of an election year with partisan tainted allegations that are both turned out to be false and the FBI opens up on them. Uh, Chuck Grassley is saying that in the last year that's happened again, meaning someone with liberal ties is feeding information. And that information manifested itself in at least two ways. Now, he suggests many ways, but Chuck Grassley says emphatically the Washington field office, the one that conducted the raid on President Trump's um, compound this past week, the estate, he, they, they uh, uh, in 2020, opened up a case against President Trump based on liberal information that didn't meet the standard for opening a predicate for a criminal case. So Donald Trump gets investigated again by liberal allegations uh, that don't seem to meet the standard for what they call the predicate for opening an investigation. The same year that that's going on, according to Chuck Grassley, another thing happens, which is unsolicited, uh, a intelligence analyst in New York by the name of Brian Naughton, who, by the way, worked on the FISA warrants that were so flawed in the Russia collusion case. He sends an unsolicited memo to the Washington field office saying, hey, guys, I think the, some of this evidence that we've been investigating about Hunter Biden's, the FBI evidence, is Russian disinformation. No one asked him to do it. It comes in, according to Chuck Grassley, according to whistleblowers, that evidence was actually legitimate and real. But the, the unsolicited intelligence analysis comes in and actually causes the, a part of the Hunter Biden investigation to be shut down. Donald Trump gets started on false evidence. Hunter Biden gets blacked uh, or blocked. Uh, an investigation on good evidence. That's why uh, the, the, the what you're mentioning that was so relevant. There are current allegations saying this is going on right now. And, you know, it points to another thing, John, 
I, I really think we need to, and no one's talking about this, or as far as I know, uh, examining the importance of a very uh, important architecture in the FBI. Uh, unlike, for example, the CIA, which has only foreign responsibilities against foreign right. assets uh, and enemies, uh, the FBI has a dual role. And they are exploiting that dual role for illegitimate purposes of all kinds. But certainly, it also begs the question of how well they can do their primary job, which is law enforcement. And their National Security Division, in my opinion, John, should be absolutely abolished forthwith. Uh, and I mean every stitch of it. And all of those agents, the apparatus removed and never permitted to exist again in any form in any agency or department. What do you think? Listen, I've talked to a lot of people that say the last six years, last seven years of drama that we've had, <clears throat> overwhelming evidence of wrongdoing where intelligence matters, counterintelligence matters, ultimately became criminal matters. Uh, it has raised so much trouble. And by the way, this divide has been a concern for 30 to 40 years. In 9-11, we learned that the divide between the FBI's counterintelligence uh, side and its criminal side prevented the FBI from putting together the dots that uh, uh, connected dots that showed that there was a plot underway. Even though they had all the pieces of it, they didn't put it together that a plot was underway uh, to attack America. And of course, that became the 9-11 plot. So it was a concern then. Then they took down the walls, uh, these prohibitions, and the two sides began walking in by a decade later. We're now talking about there being abuses. Someone starts on a counterintelligence side, unmasks the conversation, then refers it to the criminal side and try to do a criminal side. A lot of people that I'm talking about, including retired members of the FBI, believe that we ought to borrow the British model. There's not a lot of things I'd say we ought to borrow the British model for, but these people think this is important. You've got MI5 and MI6 that do internal and external uh, domestic spying, domestic and foreign spying. And then you have Scotland Yard separate that does the criminal investigations. I think a lot of people, including some in Congress now that are looking at what's the right reform to fix the FBI, believe that maybe the FBI should become Scotland Yard and we create a new domestic um, intelligence agency for which there's a good firewall and, and uh, we don't have the temptation to use spies to make political criminal cases against our enemies, which is really at the heart of the allegations of the last seven years. Would you agree with me that we should abolish them forthwith? I I, I don't care what the, uh, the British do or anybody else does, but we've learned one thing. This doesn't work. And the temptation for corruption has been longstanding by decades. Uh, and we are watching uh, the country's destiny hang in the balance because of the corruption yeah. of the Department of Justice, the FBI, and the White House. Yeah. Listen, I always try not to express opinions because I have to cover this stuff. I can tell you a lot of smart right. people share your belief and concern really strongly. And, uh, and I think it's gaining momentum. I think there are two things that are gaining momentum right now in Congress among the Republicans and, quite frankly, among some of the uh, libertarians or libertarians. I, I think when you listen... Uh, to the former congresswoman from Ohio who ran for president a couple of years ago, Tulsi Gabbard. She's talking this way, too. Um, I think there are two things we're going to see a, a growing momentum for. Uh, shrinking the FBI, reforming it, changing it, closing it down, starting something new. I don't know where it falls, but there's momentum there. And the second thing is I think people are starting to get 
really in love with the flat tax, the fair tax, and get rid of the IRS. If everyone has to just know what they pay out of the gate, forget everything else about it. The rich don't get to get rid of all of their tax liabilities. The poor and the middle class and the working class know what they owe right out of the bat. Uh, and then you don't need an IRS with 87,000 agents, $80 billion in new revenue, millions of audits, and, of course, the ammunition. I think a lot of people are concerned about that. Those two legislative ideas are gaining steam. I just talked to a congressman literally just about 30, 40 minutes ago who said, you know what? I, I wasn't for the fair tax. I am now. Uh, it, uh, we've got too much abuse going on in this country. So I think, Lou, you're on to something. I think what you're thinking is what a lot of people in Congress are now beginning to rally around. And next year, if there's a change of power in Congress, you might see the first execution on those ideas. Well, if if this Republican Party, this Congress, permits 87,000 pistol-toting IRS agents <laughs> to be hired, uh, then we are doomed yeah. because that means that our Congress, our senators, just as stupid as uh, some of us have imagined them to be. Uh, I, I don't need any more uh, evidence, any more proof. Uh, please rest yourselves and fight like hell against this Biden nightmare. Uh, so, John, I want to turn to another thing, the, the issue of the mole. This president has been plagued with uh, human spies, apparently, planted at various points, or at least so the uh, FBI has made us think. Is this uh, a mole within his post-presidency uh, cadre, uh, or is this the, uh, the information sharing between the Secret Service and the FBI? What is your, your thinking? To be determined, I think. But uh, when the first report came about out of Newsweek, it, it said two things. One, that um, Attorney General Merrick Garland was out of the loop. That did not seem possible to me at all, given how the Justice Department works and that there are specific roles that say the Attorney General personally must approve it. So I was suspect of the story. But the second angle in that story was there was a confidential human source. That means someone like a Christopher Steele or a, a Stefan Halper, who we know from Russia fame, was on the dole or under the control of the FBI informing for that. When I started to ask about that, the first thing I was told is, well, the first part is definitely wrong. Uh, uh, Merrick Garland approved this, and that's a false story. And, of course, Merrick Garland himself came out a couple of days, but we were ahead of that by a couple of days. The second thing I was told is I think the term confidential human source is the wrong term. There might be a cooperating witness who might have been available and helping. And let's just right. give one possible innocuous scenario that takes it out of the drama thing. Uh, there was a woman that used to uh, work for the president, both in the White House and in uh, the uh, Mar-a-Lago. And she would be the sort of person, almost certainly based on her job description, that the president said, you know, I'd love to get those newspaper clips I had down in my storage locker about my speech in Europe she would go down, almost certainly would be her job to go down, open up the locker, get the box that has the speech documents in it and bring it back to the president. I think that's the sort of, and then, you know, if she was hauled before the grand jury, which is entirely possible, that's the sort of question. That doesn't mean she was spying on the president, it just means that in a grand jury, did the president have yeah. to ask you? I think it's far more innocuous. That's what I've been led to believe. A Secret Service agent could have made the same testimony. I don't get a sense that there's somebody that's been with a listening glass on President Trump's door trying to figure out what he's doing. But we'll have to wait and see what that affidavit, that's why that affidavit's so important to get unsealed for America. I had. I have exactly the same impression you do. Uh, I even think I know who that person might be. Sure. Uh, and, and I'm sure everyone else thinks they know exactly, you know. <laughs> 
all of this, but you know, my I have my private and uh, yeah, deep, I think your instincts held. are probably right. It's probably something a lot less nefarious than what the media. You know, one of the great things the media has done time and again, it's irrefutable. They always uh, uh, exaggerate about Donald Trump, and then how many months later do we find out? Oh, that wasn't true. Lafayette Park, a Russian um, bounties on American heads, all those things which sounded great at the time, none of them turned out to be true. I think we really have to take the mainstream media with far greater uh, scrutiny and distrust than we did 20 years ago. Yeah. I think we should be applying to the corporate media, all media in point of fact, yeah. uh, the same skepticism that we should be applying to this government, corrupt uh, and and uh, toxic as it has become. Uh, there should be, they have a burden of proof to prove they have any vestige of integrity. I have to say the fact that there are uh, at least 14 whistleblowers who've stepped forward from the Justice yeah. Department and the FBI, uh, it is sunshine uh, in my being for it to have occurred because at this point, after six years, I had given up that there would be uh, this much integrity left that, people, that men and women in the FBI would step forward. Thank God some did. Uh, there's a vestige of faith uh, in in those two departments that I still, you know, still resides within me. Uh, I, I, you know, <laughs> at various points, I, I ask myself why, but uh, it does. Uh, yeah. let, let's, I'd also like to get your sense uh, on uh, this, the idea that this president has lost his executive privilege, his client attorney privilege. Uh, is there any, any, anything, that can bring him back into balance, uh, restore the Fourth Amendment to the president, the former president of the United States. Uh, what is, is there a cure here? It's a great question. And I think just like with Roe v. Wade, the question that lingered for a half a century, we now know. I think at the end of the day, these issues are going to probably end up back in the Supreme Court. Which case it is, at what moment does it come? Unclear. Uh, but I think you have to assume that the justice is looking on down on America from the ivory tower that is uh, the Supreme Court, have to see Fourth Amendment issues, have to see executive privilege issues. And the more we learn about uh, the quality of the claims, the quality of the assertions, the omissions from the warrant, the more likely it is that we're going to see this get to the Supreme Court. I'm actually surprised that some of the Russia collusion um, issues didn't get to the Supreme Court. I think that was a missed opportunity for the president and his defenders. But um, certainly this search, which, by the way, has consequences for all future presidents. This isn't just about Donald Trump. I think something from this case eventually will get into the court system and work its way to the Supreme Court. We need to resolve uh, the Fourth Amendment executive privilege and attorney-client privileges of the president so that those of us who are mere mortals down below a president uh, can know the protections that we still are supposed to enjoy. And I think this becomes uh, an epic case to, to really debate the state of the, uh, the uh, Bill of Rights in America. Well, and the sooner the better, in, in, in my opinion. Uh, I, I want to conclude on the Newsweek reporting and how it uh, was obviously the publication of choice. Sure. Here is a little read, little known, uh, and uh, publication with a, a horrific uh, checkered uh, background. I'll put it that way. How is it, does it make you suspicious that the FBI made that choice? 
how is it that that choice seems almost the the media uh, analog to the legal choice of Bruce Reinhardt, a magistrate instead of a, an Article Three judge, right. being selected for a search warrant, and who now holds the power to uh, to declassify, to reveal the warrant uh, affidavit that made the search possible. Oh, those are great questions, Lou, and I don't know the answer again. I often wonder, when I, after doing interviews with legal experts, why the president hasn't already gone in and asked for that judge to be removed. Now, why we, why could he do that? Because one year before he became a judge in 2018 and 2017, he posted on social media a clearly biased statement against the president, calling into question uh, the president's moral character and saying it wasn't nearly as equivalent as that of John Lewis the late congressman and civil rights leader. I'm surprised he hasn't been knocked out. I'm surprised they're letting him rule on these decisions now. They could easily have appealed to the district court saying, <clears throat> we think there's a bias problem here. I wrote about this procedure. Again, I, I, if as a journalist just looking neutrally at this, I think the president's legal team has been slow in plotting. And there are many things that could have already happened that lawyers are saying, I don't know why they haven't done it yet. At some point, these issues have to get into a higher court than an appointed magistrate with a long history of colorful and politically biased uh, social media posting. I think that uh, I'm shocked, and many of the people I talk to are shocked, that that issue hasn't become more germane to the legal battle right now. So I assume at some point it will be. John Solomon, uh, we have uh, run the gamut, and I appreciate <laughs> you, <laughs> your patience and your insight, and as always, your knowledge and wisdom. Yeah. Uh, honored to be on your show, Lou. You're a good friend and also one of the greatest journalists in this country. So it's always an honor to have a conversation with you. Thanks so much, John. And uh, and same right back at you. I uh, appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, John Solomon, uh, the CEO, the founder, uh, the executive editor, and the uh, the spirit uh, that animates justthenews.com. <laughs> God bless you. You as well, sir. Thank you. Thank you, everybody, for being with us as we all live history in these incredibly challenging times. Truth, justice, and the American way will prevail, and all of us must do our part, including being at the polls on November 8th to vote, to volunteer, to watch, to do our part. Thanks again, and here on The Great America Show tomorrow will be leading Republican pollster and strategist John McLaughlin to give us insights into the mood of the American people and in particular, how the November vote will go. Please join us here tomorrow. Till then, God bless you, and God bless America.